everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we're going to be checking out deleted scenes from Season 2. <laughs> the racist content that was too hot for Degrassi, somehow. It was like that, or like the overly sexual content, that they were like, maybe that's a little too horny. Oh god, or they just absolutely... Like, We'll get there in a sec, but, like, the absolutely horrifying content from seasons one, from episodes one and two of season two. Truly. Um, but yeah, so, another mini-episode. Uh, season two is interesting because season one had deleted scenes, but there were not a terribly large amount. Um, this season, there's a lot, so we're going to split it up into a two-part episode, so this is the first part. Um... Content warning with this one. Frank will definitely have a more detailed one in the in the description, but due to the content of season two, a lot of these deleted scenes reflect some of those topics. So there is going to be discussion of sexual assault. Um, there's going to be discussion of abuse. Um, there's going to be a lot of sexual content, which was very uncomfortable, quite frankly. Uh. Um, but we will obviously get through it. But... I'm sure Frank will do more detailed description if anything else comes up, but I think those were the big three that I really took away from from this whole thing. Every time I, I hear the term big three, I just keep thinking the big three killed my baby by the white stripes. Fair enough. Unfortunately, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, I wish we talked about the white stripes. Oh, they were mentioned on the show, I forgot. They were, you're <laughs> right, they were. Um, shall we get started? Okay, yeah. So the first one is for When Doves Cry. Um, the first deleted scene for When Doves Cry is taking care of business. Um, it's not much, but it's kind of funny. It's got, it's cute. It's, it's nice to see the adults. Like it's just, um, they're playing. It, it's um, Archie's, oh God, Snake and... Uh, what was going on that episode? Wasn't it like it was Spike's bir birthday? Or, yeah. or, or it was Spike's place, and they were celebrating snakes. It's something like that. They were celebrating something. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to open up the wiki real quick. Um, but as they are celebrating, it's basically just the Degrassi of Jolts. It's like Joey, Snake, Spike, some person who I don't know who they are. Um, but they're basically just dancing around to taking care of business. Um, it's super silly. They're laughing. It kind of hits one of those things that a couple of the lead scenes with the adults in season one hit where you couldn't quite tell how much of it was acting and how much of it was just them just kind of like vibing off of each other in a silly way. Um, but it was a really cute little moment. Um, Joey has like a tie on his head that matches his collared shirt. Um, they, they sing to the song as the chorus kicks in, and then they keep singing after the song cuts out, which I thought was really funny. Um, uh, Spike has, like, bubbles as she's, like, singing around. Um, it's a pretty cute scene, honestly. It's obviously not really anything that's super huge. I don't even know if they got the rights to play that song in the episode. Might be why it didn't really play in it. But it was a fairly charming scene. Yeah. Are the kids there just being, like, embarrassed? I feel like they were. Um, I think it was one of those things where that was what was going on in the background of the of the shot. Because I do remember when they had conversations, it was, like, Craig and, like, Emma talking. And they were, like, in the front. And then the adults were kind of doing their own thing in the back. And I think this was just supposed to be, like, them doing that stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, and then we get to the next uh, deleted scene, which isn't much. No. But it is hard to watch. Yeah. Because it's just shit lord. Um, you know, Craig's dad. Uh, it's after the scene where his dad gets off the phone and Craig escapes through the window. And his dad is just bashing the door with his golf club. And the golf club eventually breaks. And so does the door. And it's just haunting to watch. Yeah. Because there's no music, there's no nothing. It's just this man beating a door in with a golf club. Yeah. It's just like an extended scary scene to watch. I'm so glad it was cut. Yeah. Though also, like, if I'm... The scene, the way it is, I think it would have had, like, lost a lot of his energy if it was just him hitting the door. Well, I also think the actor kind of felt that. Like, if you watch him, it feels like there's a couple moments of hesitation while he's doing it. Almost like he's like, you're still running this? Okay, you're still running this? Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, I just... The way it was shot where it's, like, intercut... What the... I'm oh, sorry. We had the door open. I just saw Dahlia do the, like, arched cat thing. Not, like, a stretch, like, the scary black cat thing. I just didn't know what was going on. Um, like, the scared black cat thing. Anyway. Um, like, in between... It's, like, when it's intercut with Craig's de- desperate escape. It's so much more... So much worse. Yeah, I think that, honestly, that episode is very well edited. I don't think either of these scenes were really necessary. I, you know, I do get that they kind of wanted to film out that scene to, to have more things to cut with if necessary. Um, but I think ultimately that, I don't know, it's just, it's a terrifying episode. It's a very good episode, but it's absolutely a terrifying episode. Yeah. Um, next is Karma Chameleon. The first one is Kendra's favorite. No, no. And, well, we missed one. Did we? Toby gets down. <laughs> For girls just want to have fun. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Neither did I. <laughs> I. I'm guessing it's just Toby dancing. Yeah. Let's not worry about that. Yeah, who cares? It's Toby. Okay. Um, I, for, I, for, I keep forgetting that, like, how much of season one was about Toby. <laughs> I know, right? And we were like, we'll never escape. And now we're here. And now we're like, there's Bailey Toby. I know. He becomes like a non-factor. Um... So the next one is Karma Chameleon. The first deleted scene from this episode is Kendra's favorite anime. Um, this one, this scene's fairly similar to what ends up happening in the episode because it's Toby entering the computer room and asking about the anime CD. <laughs> and Snake is like, well, it's already been taken out. Oh, and looks at Kendra and is like, oh yeah, here's my two big fucking anime nerds. <laughs> Which, you know, I do respect Snake for doing this. I feel like as a teacher, I have done this before where I'm like, you two like this fucking thing, and you're like, okay, kids, you should be friends. I did see a Tumblr post on whether or not, like, teachers ship students. <laughs> I don't know if I talked about this on the show yet. I, ha- I am of the mind that there's been one or two students that I was like, if they got together, that'd be pretty okay, but I feel like most of the time I anti-ship yeah. because they're teenagers. And a lot of the time, I have to watch these lovely, lovely, wonderful, brilliant girls go, yeah, this asshole boy who's already gone through all of my friend group and shown himself to be a real, like, piece of shit, I can, you know, I can make him better. And I understand why we as a society have accidentally or intentionally fed this message to girls, but man, it fucking hurts. And, like, I'm the one who just kind of sits at my desk and is like, I really don't want you to do this. 
And I have told girls before, I'm like, I think you deserve better. <laughs> but obviously, they're, they're teenagers, and they don't want to hear that, and I understand. But And I'll still be there for them to pick up their pieces later, but Jesus, fuck. Usually, I'm more invested in creating friends. Yeah. So, I, I guess I friendship in to a certain extent. Like, if I know that there's a couple kids that I think would get along really well, I'll try to find a way to group them up in a project to get to know each other or something like that. Yeah. I have done that, or sat them near each other. I, I, I have... I have played that game before. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so Snake is like, hey, you two are fucking anime nerds, and Toby is just absolutely awestruck. He's stammering as he's talking to Kendra, and Kendra's super smooth about it. She's like, yeah, I'll give you the disc at lunch. Like, whatever. And Toby is so stunned, he fucking walks into a wall while he's leaving. <laughs> What do you think is harder to have? A a, uh, goth girlfriend or a sports anime girlfriend? Because we see both in this season. I think the goth girlfriend is harder because the goth girlfriend is going to expect more out of you Mm. than the anime jock. (laughs) I think the anime jock, especially Kendra, is very self-sufficient. And Ashley, in the case of the goth girlfriend, is incredibly, like, needy. And I think that Ashley's going to expect a lot out of you, and if you don't meet her expectations, your life is going to be a nightmare. Meanwhile, with Kendra, it's like, oh, sweet, you want to watch Naruto? Cool. You don't want to? Well, fuck that. Fuck that. I'm going to go play field hockey. Bye. <laughs> I feel like it's. I feel like it becomes more like, what do you? What are you going to deal with? Um, emotional or physical trauma? Because like, with Ashley, she'll just eviscerate you with words. Kendra will just shove you up against the locker when that, you displease her. That is also true. That is that is something that you have to to trade off on. It's like, would you rather somebody like call your your bullshit out in the middle of the cafeteria, or would you rather them pin you to a fucking wall? I just think about Ashley doing that. Oh my god, so fucking good. Right. I actually love I love both these girls. A lot of these delete scenes are Kendra. And I feel really bad for this actress because I can only imagine being a child and doing and doing a project like this and being like, yeah, I'm like a principal character, that's cool. And then you fucking watch the show and you're like, but wait, what about that scene? Or that scene? Or that fucking scene? <laughs> Damn it. I don't know if DVDs are a thing yet. I don't know if we're going to end up on the deleted scenes on the DVDs. Right. The next one scene is Scorpion DNA, um, and this one is Craig talking about the GMO thing that is kind of the big issue with this episode. Um, Craig is like, Ooh, did you know there's Scorpion DNA in your food? And Sean is like, getting food from the lunch line as it's happening. And Sean is super grossed out by hearing this, and he puts the tray of food back, and man, I hated this GMO plot. <laughs> <laughs> What a stupid, stupid plot. <laughs> what? A product of the time. Oh. But um, not very much to speak to. Uh, the next one is You Look Nice Today, which I loved. I actually love this deleted scene, but I think it's just because I really like Ashley's mom, and I find her very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's basically, it's Ashley's mom. She's reading the newspaper at the kitchen table. Ashley is walking through, and she is wearing the outfit that she wears for the yearbook. So, like, that weird camo kind of crop top and, like, her hair kind of twisted up a little bit. Um, and her mom is, like, very excited to see her and notes that she's, like, not really... She's not wearing any black with this look. Um, and also makes the observation that 
Ashley seems much happier. Um, And Ashley confirms. She's like, yeah, I am. Um, But... And then the mom kind of goes, oh, by the way, we got, you know, we had to move our family therapy appointment. And Ashley's like, why do we even have to go? Um, Which, you know, pretty, probably pretty accurate. I feel like family therapy, regardless of the age, is such a hard sell when you're a kid. um, Because it's like, why the fuck am I here? I don't get it. I don't want to be here. It's a waste of my time. Um, But her mom takes it in stride. And says that, you know, we have to go. It's how we're going to learn to make things work. Um, and to make sure that we're able to support each other. Yeah. And I really like that sentiment, actually. Yeah. Like, because the way Mama Kerwin um, delivers these lines, it's not accusatory in any way. No, no. It's very much like she's making observations and, you know, vocalizing them. Yeah, it's just it's like I was gonna say it's almost business like, but it's not even that. It's like she's it's like she's being she's being a mom. Yeah, yeah, she's very mom in a way that I really like, and it's a type of parenting style that I think is very hard to actually execute um, because it does require a lot of trust in a kid to do it. But I think that she really embodies how she trusts Ashley, even if she doesn't always agree with Ashley's decisions. She trusts that Ashley's ultimately going to end up on the right track. Um, and I also like this idea of, yeah, we have to go to family therapy, but it's not because we're fucked up. It's for us to learn how to keep being able to support each other. I think that's a really good sentiment and a really good way to look at family therapy and a way to look at group, any type of therapy in which you're, you have to have multiple people present during the session. Yeah. It's, it's not because y'all are like messed up individuals. It's just, we're just trying to figure out how to keep, keep working. I just thought of, it's. I, I know this is kind of all topic. I just saw crazy. It's gonna be. I'm gonna be a year out of group therapy. In oh my god! Like two months. <laughs> wow. Jesus, has time moved by that much? Yeah. I don't Shit. Know. It moves it inexorably onward. Like if you asked me how many months ago that was, I would have legitimately been like three months. <laughs> wow. I came back from my trip to Canada. I sat down. Like I think I'm done here. Yeah. I do wonder. I hope they're okay. Yeah, of course. Good group, of, good group of people I used to get to the group with. Yeah. Um. Next up is Jimmy's distracted. Yeah, this one doesn't really need very much because ultimately I feel like this already happens in the episode. It's kind of when Jimmy is spacing out in Hasselakos's class. He's looking at Ashley during the scene, and that's a pretty effective way to establish that with one one or two shots. This one it has a little more of Hasselakos talking about a dry how to use dry ice. Jimmy is spacing. And Paige is trying to get his attention and assuming that he is distracted because of Ms. Hot Sauce. I did not, like, I felt, I felt kind of bad watching this, how much flack I gave Ms. Hatsalakos back then. Like, now I just feel bad for her. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the deleted scenes from this season, honestly, are various ways that Hatsalakos gets sexualized. That just did not make the cut, for Se- whatever reason. Sexualized and sexually harassed. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, next scene is, uh, next episode is Weird Science. The first one is Spinner in the Red, which is fucking lewd. It is one of the most lewd fucking scenes I have seen in a while. I'm so, I do not need to keep hearing about this child's boners. <laughs> like, literally, that's what it was. It's Spinner talking about having a boner. 
And I think in the episode itself, he just kind of talk calls it a bat, and that's kind of it, and that's how he establishes that he has an erection. But in this one, he like calls it a bat, he calls it a banana, um, and then he proceeds to talk about how literally anything having to do with girls will will set him off, as in their eye contact, their voices, their touch activates it, and it's just he's like talking to Jimmy about it. Jimmy's off off screen, and it's just so explicit. Like, I just, it didn't need, it was unneeded, and that's why it did not make the cut. If, like, honestly, if they had just, like, I kind of wish they had been, like, it's just kind of everything and anything. Because that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it kind of felt like them experimenting with how far they could get, they could push the rating. And, you know... Is this a conversation piece that teenagers definitely have for sure? Does it probably go as lewd as this scene? Yes. Do I need to watch it as a 28-year-old? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, next is how I deal with boners. More boner talk now from with another child. Yeah. Um, and it's Spinner being like totally laid out and Jimmy approaching him and says like, you know, Spinner was a jerk and... I think this had to do with, like, being in, um, they're in the cafeteria. So it's, like, that whole scene where Sheila talks about how, like, oysters make her husband horny or some shit. Uh, and that was in the episode. Um, and Jimmy is like, you know, you were a jerk. Um, you gotta figure out, like, mind over matter. And then he's like, you know what I think of when I don't want to have a boner anymore? Golf. And Spears like, I like golf. And Jimmy's like, that's not what I fucking mean. Spin. And it's just, like, it's just really odd. And then Sheila comes in and kicks them out of the cafeteria. Yeah, good job, Sheila. Send them home. Right. It's just like, okay, I don't want to hear this. Goodbye. Okay, so then we have the worst scene, oh and then somehow God. an even worse scene. <laughs> yeah, so the first one's even Quan's hot for Spinner. Um, and this one, Quan is reading the sonnet, um, How Do I Love Thee, as an opening to a poetry unit, which... The, po the poem itself is fine. I definitely read it in class. Fine. But what she does is she reads it and starts saucily walking towards Spinner. Um, and as she's saucily walking toward him, he's obviously wrapped with attention. And then she, uh, she then scolds him, like changes gears, scolds him for having food in class. Um, and he can't move to throw out the food because of his boner. So Jimmy then offers to throw it out for him. Now, what I assume is trying to be done in this scene, I assume it was supposed to be before they did all the editing and all the wah-wah pedal music and stuff, I assume <laughs> it was supposed to be, like, a fantasy that Spinner was having. But, like, I'm really glad they didn't keep it, because regardless, it was creepy. Oh, yeah. No, good. Oh, and the second scene, um, How Do I Love Thee? It's just the same thing, but she, like, takes her hair down, and it's just way worse. She starts unbuttoning her fucking shirt. Um, it's only really focused on her, like, like a bust shot of her. Um, and she's, like, looking at someone, which I assume is supposed to be Spinner. Um, and I, that's where I continue to think it was supposed to be a fantasy scene, because obviously, like, that's very out of character for Quan. It's kind of funny, I guess, because Spinner has his gripes with Quan. It's just creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah, I hate it. Um... I hate it so much. It was really <laughs> creepy. I was really unhappy. 
Um, next is... <laughs> but, sorry, let me just say, hey, how do I love the public domain? Let me count the ways. <laughs> right, right. That's we all can, I can think about. We can use the sonnet without having put any money on it. Why do you think Quan only does Shakespeare? <laughs> I would have preferred, like, wouldn't it be funny if she tried to do, like, if they had a course on E.E. E. Cummings? <laughs> and she's just like, error, long space, open parentheses, word. <laughs> Did you know I memorized an E.E. E. Cummings poem for, like, the Poetry Out Loud competitions? <laughs> Which was dumb. Because it was very long. And then you have to, like, act out all of the... Like, you know, how do you act out the punctuation and everything? Um, it was, like, overly ambitious, and I was a very edgy child who thought that was a good idea. And that's all you need to know about me, honestly. I bought an E.E. E. Cummings book because there was a girl I had a crush on, and I wanted to talk to her about E.E. E. Cummings. That's... that's. It didn't go anywhere, but I was like, oh, cool, good poet. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Though that's... I, did, I do have a poem memorized... From Richard Brodigan. Okay. Um, the, the pill versus Spring Hill Mine Disaster. Every time you take your pill, it, it's like the Spring Hill Mine Disaster. I think of all the people lost inside of you. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. No, you, I'm like standing there going, anyone live in a anyhow town with up so many and then he goes down. <laughs> Spring, summer, autumn, fall, winter. Why? Why? Anyway. <laughs> There were definitely better poems to actually perform that I could have done. That's an actually worthwhile poem that you have memorized. It's kind of like, um, I also have, like, parts of the Queen Mab speech memorized because I was, like, this child who was, like, a clear gay baby who was, like, I'm gonna play Mercutio when we do Romeo and Juliet. So I took the biggest fucking speech <laughs> and was like, yeah, sure, I can learn this. Oh, God, the guy, the guy who is Mercutio in Romeo plus Juliet is so fucking good. Yeah, definitely better than me sitting around with, like, a lime green sex pistol tank top I got at Kmart. <laughs> and a boa. Oh. Kmart. Right. Rest in peace. I know. I still, I still love um, Nicki Minaj de de defending Kmart. I shopped at Kmart when I could, when I didn't have any money. Hell yeah. And nothing wrong with it. Hell yeah. My fan shop there, so fuck it. That's where my, my <laughs> merch is gonna be. Right. Nicki Minaj is for the people. <laughs> Shall we talk about Drive? Ugh. So Drive... Drive. Um, as we know, this is not a fan favorite around these parts. Um, the first deleted scene we have is I thought it was over. So it, did I, DVD. So did I. Right. I thought we were done talking about this. Right. Um, it's Emma and Manny walking to school and Craig and Sean coming closely behind. Sean looks very much invested in who is walking in front of him. Um, as Craig is talking about whatever... Um, and Craig is just like, isn't it over with you, uh, you and Emma? And Sean is just like, yeah. And just kind of, like, stomps off. And Craig makes, like, a really funny oh shit face afterwards. <laughs> because he knows that there is gossip to be had. Yeah. Um, the next one is Hit Me. Which... It's rough. To say the least. It's, it's what I kind of wanted Drive to go in. Yeah. I think it's what Drive should have gone in. Yes. Which is this conversation piece with between Joey and Craig, which is that Craig screwed up. Craig stole a car. <laughs> We're not laughing about that. We're laughing about the fact that there's a cat running around. <laughs> no, it's all, 
Now, now that I got jangly collars on them, you'll actually hear Basil in action. That was obviously Basil doing her nonsense. That's gotcha. Um, because she does not assert her attention quite like Dahlia does. But um, in this one, like what Drive should have been, should have been this conversation piece of Craig screws up. Okay, we know that, and now Joey has to be a paternal figure to give a punishment. And how do you deal with being punished by some by a paternal figure who does not actually want to beat the shit out of you? And this scene tries that because Joey tells Craig to sit down and Craig just keeps baiting Joey, asking if he will be like his dad and hit him. Um, and then eventually it escalates to him demanding Joey to hit him, which really fucking hurts and it speaks to the way that abuse really fucks with your head and how you if especially if you're a kid who has gone through that type of shit you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop and you even if you're in a different environment you're still expecting it to happen even if that person is in craig's case dead um and it's although i guess at this point he's not dead yet um but the thing about it is is that and I think this is why I'm kind of glad this scene didn't stay in it, because I know that if we watched this episode and this scene was kept as is, I would have gone off about this. Like, Joey does not respond, react, really, to what Craig says there. Yeah. He just kind of jumps into talking about how there need to be consequences, as opposed to kind of going, whoa, time out. Like, you do realize I'm not going to hurt you. I'm, to be fair to Joey, like, I think that's for... Craig has only lived with him, like, maybe two or three months at this yeah. point. That's a hard conversation to jump into, especially in anger. Oh, for sure. It, it definitely is, but then from a storytelling perspective, what's the point of even having the scene? Well, I think, like... Unless it's going to be a thread that's going to be picked up later. Yeah, that, that would... That would that was that would be my, like... If, you know, I was writing the show, like... The last scene of Drive wouldn't be him tearing up the tickets. It'd be the next morning where just like, yo, things got really out of hand like last night. We need to sit down and talk about this. Yeah, like let's establish boundaries and expectations here because I have not set them and, you know, I understand you're going to try and push them regardless because you're a teenager. Let's try and prevent something from that happening again. Yeah, or just like Joe's like, maybe we, you should go talk to somebody. Yeah, we could do that too. And because and, like, I think so far my favorite Joey moment is when Joey, like, says I was wrong after he asked for the money in season three. I agree. I agree. And, like, because he's just being responsible. Was that season four? That's season four. Okay. When he's just, like, being responsible and being a good dad, and it's just, like, I would have loved to see, like, Joey, like, I didn't know Joey in... As a high schooler. Yeah. But just, like, it would have been fucking amazing, you know, if I had grown up with him, and then, like, seeing him again, and it's just, like, he's become, like, the dad. Yeah. You know? Kind of like Spike. Exactly. You know, like, he's just, like, I don't know everything, I fuck up, I'm trying my best, and just, like, you know, it just, like, hit me really hard when he's, like, I want the dealership to be there, just in case. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it would have been just amazing if he was just able to, like, just be a little bit stronger or this, like, thread of, like, Joey just giving Craig a good, like, role model to look up to. A good father figure. I agree. So I agree. 
But yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it has shades of what I wanted this episode to be about. But also, it still doesn't quite execute it how I may want it to. Yeah. Um, the next one from this episode is called Insults. Um, and it's Paige approaching Ellie. I keep, I kept, I watched the scene three times. I couldn't fully understand what Paige was saying every single time. Was she making fun of her hair? I think so. I think so? Right. I thought maybe, but literally I kept listening and I could not make words. I think she calls it like a rat's nest or something. She's something like how did she make it herself? Make the rat's nest herself probably is what she said. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Um, and Ellie is like, oh, well, the mall is selling new personalities, so... Um, and Ashley's, like, totally enthralled. She's probably on the floor. Because <laughs> um, Ellie's, like, looking down. Um, yeah, no, oh, yeah, this is the one. Because I remember there was... I was just like, that is exactly what we've always been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> when you just hear, like, Ashley go, like, why do you... Like, like or she's like, no, it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right, like, Ellie's like, it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's kind of cute for the Ashley and Ellie interaction, especially. Um, and it, I guess, it was intended to further reiterate that Ellie can dish it when Paige tries to strike. I, yeah, well, I feel like she's also... This kind of showcases Ellie as being not what we expect most goth kids to be. Yeah. Which is just, like, very quiet and very, like, shying away from things. Just, like, um... Gonna get her name wrong <laughs> from Don't Believe the Hype oh like Farisa For, yeah okay like it's just like nope I'm not the thing you th expect I'm gonna be I'm here to kick ass and take names yeah it's true um next is Shout Part 1 not a lot to say about this one no it's Food is My Art it's just the extended thing where JT is like doing the weird food shit and like nobody's really paying attention to him um, and he, like, literally makes food, and it makes him have to, like, hack it up in the sink. And someone off-screen is like, what are you doing? And JT is just like, food is my art, and this is my process. Somebody also keeps talking at him, but it's really hard to hear what's going on, and I just could not care enough to rewatch it, try and pick it up. Ah! Oh my god! What the? It's because Basil is batting at her. <laughs> Uh, my daughters. Dahlia tried to jump in my lap and then try and jump in Frank's lap, but missed and just fell in between us. And then walked off like we didn't see her. Truly a cat. Um, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so next is shout part two, which is We Need Her Poem is the name of this next scene. Um, and it's Ellie approaching Ashley after class, um, and says, it's her poor thing po after she reads her po poor thing poem, and Ellie is telling Ashley to submit the poem to the yearbook, and Ashley's like, oh, I don't know, and Terry is trying to hype up her own poem, which, as we know, was, like, the super rhymy thing, um, and Paige is just like, look, like, I'm sorry, but it sucked, <laughs> like, you are not a poet. It was not good. Um, and then... Ashley's living on the edge. We need that edge. As basically what happens, like, Hazel, like, shimmies over. She's, like, singing. She's like, yeah, so what are we gonna do? And Paige is just like, so the only way that we're gonna win this contest is if we take Ashley's poem. Not if we have Ashley in the band. Not if we have Ashley do the, write the lyrics. It's if we can get this poem, we will fucking rock this. 
And then he's like, Terry, you're the one who's fucking friends with her. You gotta ask Ashley to use the bowl. Yeah. Which is... I would be livid if I was Terry. Um, and then Terry is sent into the, like, den of goth in Use Your Lyrics. Yep, she approaches Ashley and Ellie as the- Ashley and Ellie are talking about, like, a new music video from a band at, uh, one of the picnic tables. And Terry is just like, hey, Ashley, can I talk to you alone? And Ashley's like, whatever you have to say, Ellie can be present for it. <laughs> Which is, like, so overdramatic, but I don't blame her for wanting somebody to hold her accountable. Um, and then Terry is just like... Oh, man, I just do... Um, I do love the ride or die between Ashley and Ellie in this I first know, season. I know, I <laughs> know. Like, I actually love this friendship because I think it is that. That's, like, the type of friendships I had when I was a kid. It was, like, it really nails that type of loyalty that, like, weirdo girls have for each other during that age group. And, like, that's not to say that you can't find it when you're not a teenager, but there's this, like, fierce loyalty and admiration between the two of them that I think is so wonderful. My sister is still friends with, like, many of her high school friends, or almost all of them, mm-hmm. and, like, they still have that ride-or-die nature between yeah. them. I think only friendships in high school really have it. Yeah. I think that you will find very good friends outside of being a teenager, but I think that they do not have that, like relentless admiration and love they just don't because i think when you're a teenager it's just a level of emotion you can that only you can access um in the words of blake senate of salute your shorts and the elected fame uh you'll never have friends like you did when you were young that is true i think we're gonna go out on that song not a bad idea i think the only thing that could possibly rival is if you're gay but we all know how being gay makes you tender sometimes yeah. Sometimes. Anyway, um, so so Terry then says that she'd like Ashley to participate in v- in PMS, and the way that she can participate is by letting them use her lyrics. And Ashley is very, very angry hearing this news and snaps at Terry before she just kind of coldly resumes her conversation with Ellie. Yeah. <sighs> Ouch. It sucks, because it's like, on one hand... I do understand why Ashley's so angry. On the other hand, Terry was, like, has been there for you. And maybe you should be a little nicer to Terry. I, I feel I feel like Ashley should pull a Mrs. Weasley, like, at the beginning of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, where she comes downstairs, yells at all her sons, but it's like, not you, Harry. I know you're fine. Yeah. Just, like, not you, Terry. I know this what you do. Paige. <laughs> yeah, this, all my anger right now is at Paige. Um, I got the Paige rage. Right. A lot of people do. Um, Nexus cheerleader talk, not really a necessary scene. It's Hazel and Paige walking through the hallway, talking about how their pyramid was a train wreck during practice, and Paige then walks into the bathroom. Thank Jesus, Manny is finally doing some fucking sick flips and not just eating it. Right. Right. Um, Liberty negotiates is the next scene. Um, and this has to do with Liberty and... Um, it's like Liberty wrote the anarchy sign and then JT was accused of it and all that shit. JT passes off the toothbrush that Liberty has to use to clean it and Liberty, bless her, is just like, hey. Um, and she's about to like make a speech and as she's trying to make a speech, Radich cuts her off and then when he starts walking off, she's like, hey, can I have a better cleaning solution? Maybe. And Radich is like, this isn't student council. You're not in fucking charge here. <laughs> so mean. <sighs> Leave my daughter alone. 
I understand that, but she did just draw a, like a shitty anarchy sign. Oh, whatever. People have written far worse and did not get in trouble. Severe yeah, trouble. I, like, I would have like, you know what? It's offensive if you wrote this stupid corporate anarchy symbol. It would have been better if you wrote fuck you. Right. <laughs> if only the kids could let Liberty say fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> next is um, next is Mirror in the Bathroom. Wait, wait, we missed one from Shout. Oh, no, you're right. Nightmare effect. Ugh. I think we skipped it because we didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, probably. It's an extended scene of the nightmare um, Paige has about... Uh, Seeing Dean in the bathroom. Like, my mind blind. I kept thinking dickhead. That's fine. He is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just scary. It's scary. It's upsetting. She's yelling no. He's it, not listening. It's like the open the door now deleted scene. It's yeah. Just, I don't like seeing children in peril. I don't like this. No. Didn't like any of it. Exactly. Okay. Can we go to Mirror in the Bathroom? Now we can. Okay, so Mirror in the Bathroom first scene is Kendra's reaction. Kendra is taunting Toby, be- uh, talking about how he needs to have lunch for his big programming competition, which is really mean, honestly. Um, and Toby's like, well, actually, I'm going to try out for wrestling. And she's, like, so genuinely shocked. She, like, she's, like, going, walking over to throw something away. And she actually, like, stops, turns around, and acknowledges it before she continues to walk toward the garbage. Yeah. Um, next is I'll Take Care of It. Um, and it's when JT is talking to Ashley about how he, how she sensed his love vibe. Um... It's Ashley when she reveals her worry about Toby and his training and her fear about him having a eating disorder. And JT straight up asks his vomiting counts, um, which is very scary. Yeah. Um, and Ashley's response is not a bad one where she's just like, okay, then I'm calling my parents. Like, that's it. That's all I needed. Thank you. Bye. And JT is like, wait, wait, wait. Let me try to talk to him and try and get through to him. Like, you know, he'll listen to me. And she's just like, okay, you have a hard deadline of this afternoon. I do... This scene kind of reminded me of the trajectory JT has been on overall. Where he starts off shitty season one, JT, and ends in, like, end of season two, season three, JT. Yeah. Where he's just like, I'm a goofy kid who's in over his head, let me do my best. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate the the balance that the two of them are trying to strike between um, in this scene. Because I think that, I I appreciate that Ashley's like, okay, I, got, I gotta do something serious here. I gotta do, you know, I gotta really do something about this. But also at the same time, she's like, well, maybe JT will come up with something. Maybe, maybe we can use that. Maybe we can work with that. I really appreciate that it is a good example of, like, kids trying to do the right thing, but also, you know, trying to have control in it at the same time. Uh, next is sit-ups. This was absolutely unnecessary. It's Armstrong walking around as the kids in gym class are doing sit-ups. Toby can't really do it, so Armstrong tells JT to kind of, like, stand on, like, you know, sit on his feet to do it, and as he's trying to do his sit-ups, everyone starts chanting Toby's name, and he can only do a couple, and everyone starts teasing him. Someone coughs something, and I don't really know. I didn't really catch what it was, and I didn't really care to. I think it was nerd, because I... Or something less offensive. I hope it was. Because I, I remember it didn't set off my, like, well, that's uncalled for. Yeah, okay. Um, and then Armstrong tells Toby, like, well, that was good effort, and just kind of, like, lets him stop. Yeah. Um, Next is training offer. Yeah. Um, it's just JT offering to train Toby. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. Um... Then we go to Take My Breath Away, um, and it is Who Is It? 
Um, in this scene, Ashley's asking Ellie about crushes. And I actually love this scene because I love how it's like, <laughs> is it that really cool boy at the record store? What about that really cool boy who's like in a band and like grade up? Like she's like naming all these boys that you would expect a girl like Ellie to have a crush on. And Ellie's in agony because that is not the case. <laughs> and I feel like Ellie having a crush is so relatable to me because like, I feel like it's like, I feel this way too, where it's like, if you develop a crush, it's almost like a failure of your, like, senses <laughs> to do this. Like, how dare I have feelings for somebody else? I'm not supposed to like people like that. Fuck that. And it's like, it's like I'm supposed to be living in a forest at 32. <laughs> and it's like, Ellie's like, this is not in my life plan. Um, and she's... <laughs> oh my god, that reminds me of the fucking... Okay, so in Riverdale, at one point, like, Betty is trying to, like help uh fucking jughead deal with his like birthday in a like because he's freaking out about it he's just like i'm weird look at this hat i'm always wearing hey, my name is jughead that's weird i'm weird i'm like oh my god you were such a teenager right <laughs> that is ellie in this scene 100 percent um and ellie and then like you know ellie's like we are well i emailed him but it was anonymous um and she's like super discouraged and as she's expressing her being very discouraged Hazel is walking by with some pep in her step. Yeah. I really liked it. I really liked the scene, but I think I like seeing this side of Ellie. I think we, we saw her having some turmoil in the episode, but it seemed like the scenes that they kept in it were more about her being uncomfortable expressing that she had a crush as opposed to the internal, fuck, I have a crush. Yeah. Um, the next scene is options. Um, and... Sean, it's Sean observing with Craig that Manny is into him. Craig says that, like, you know, he's she's funny, she's cute, she's young. And then Ashley says hi as they're walking through the hall. And then he goes, unlike some of my other options. Idiot boy. <laughs> oh, to be young and think you had options. <laughs> I know, right? To be fair, Craig did. Oh yeah, Craig was a cutie. Craig had options, and Craig was a musician. In in the early aughts, he was fine. <laughs> um, I might be talking also about the actor. Um, next scene is... He's still pretty good looking. Yeah, he is. I, no joke, I did try to figure out the logistics of going to his one-man show in Toronto. <laughs> I really did consider it. Um... Because I was like, what's he doing? And then I looked it up, and it turns out he was doing... He, he might be actively, at the time of this recording, like, is performing in Toronto, a one-man show. Ah, good for him. I mean, I've always said that, like... You know, we, we've made mention that nobody quite can... I can't, and nobody can quite put a thumb on my sexuality, but it's just like... It's like, oh, David Tennant? Kamal Nanjiani? What's up? Like, are you giving me a look? <laughs> Jig Epstein? Just saying. <laughs> he's, he's still very good looking, I must say. Yeah. Um, next is Just Be Honest, which, honestly, I wish was in the episode. <laughs> I love this. I like, I watched these over a week ago, so some of these are coming up blank for me. What was just... So, <laughs> this was Marco asking Ellie... About, like, you know, why haven't you said it, said anything? And Ellie just kind of passive-aggressively is like, anything, 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 anything. <laughs> and then Craig approaches them, and then they start walking the hall together. And as they're walking through the hall together, Craig bring like, uh, Marco notes about how Craig and Manny are a thing. And Craig's like, uh-oh, like, I don't really feel that way about her. 
And then Marco's like, you just gotta be honest. Like, you can't follow it up. And Ellie's like, how are you supposed to just be honest? Like, <laughs> can someone please tell me how you're supposed to be honest? And it's really funny because it's like, the way that they're set up, Ellie's in the center, Marco is on her right, and Craig is on her left. Um, so it's really funny because Marco and Craig are having this conversation, and Ellie's in the middle just, like, stewing. And it's a really silly exchange that I really liked. Yeah. Um, and Ellie is reminding me of Jim and Pam, actually, from uh, when Pam's like, Jim, you can tell me anything, and Jim, his, like, face just kind of crashes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very good. I really like it. Um, next is Don't Believe the Hype. Oh, boy. <laughs> The first scene is easy for white people. I saw this title before I watched it, and I'm just like, oh, Christ, what is this going to be? <laughs> I actually don't hate this scene as much. I, I think that it needed to be edited a little bit, but I think it wasn't bad. Yeah. I think the idea was good. Yeah. I think this was one of the better ideas in this whole fucking episode. Yeah. Um, because it's Hazel wiping her eyes in front of her locker, and Paige is asking her where she was during Jimmy's presentation. And Hazel brings up that she was at Radish's locker because of what happened to Farisa. Paige is super mad and is like, well, why were you there? Like, I, you know, I, I was with you during lunch. I don't understand why, like, you know, you're being accused of this thing with Farisa. And Hazel is just, Hazel just kind of breaks down as Paige is hemming and hawing about this and being mad. Um, and Hazel just notes that multicultural day is easy for white people. Um, and Paige is just like, well, what do you mean? Like, she demands an explanation from her about why. And then when Hazel is failing to really give it to her, she kind of leans hard to, like, you know, I would expect my best friend to fucking tell me. And Paige leaves and Hazel is just a mess about it. And I actually like this because I think it does address that issue with Multicultural Day, right? Where it's like, it's multicultural day. Hey everybody, let's learn about let's learn about stuff and all the white kids just kind of turn toward the brown kids expectantly. Yeah. And I do understand that I feel like that's a really real emotion and I like that they actually identified it in the scene even if it didn't make the cut. Yeah. I I think it's it's a piece that they could have pulled more from in the episode and I think they would have had a lot more success. But I also understand that this was a product of the time period, and I think this piece, I think, would have been the focus if this episode happened in 2019. Mm. I think it would have been more the internalized internalized struggle of a marginalized student surrounded by white students and white peers. Yeah. I think that would have been more the focus, but because it was released in that post-9-11 time frame, we ended up with what we ended up. Yeah. Um, the next scene from this one is Ancestral Stories. This scene I also thought was kind of interesting, too, and I think if done within the right hands, I think this could have gone somewhere as well. Um, which is that Paige is talking about how she's so not hungry, and Jimmy is super nervous because of his presentation. Um, and he reveals that he found out his great-great, I think great-great-grandfather, um, was enslaved, escaped, um, successfully escaped, went through the Underground Railroad, and ended up being able to be free. Um, which is, you know, very intense, but, you know, a big deal for Jimmy to find that out. Like, he takes such pride in the fact that he has a relative that was able to, to do that successfully. Yeah, it's, uh, I really did enjoy this. Like, and I'm also pumped because I just saw the trailer for the, a movie called Harriet, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
Go see if we can do that for Teen Girl Talk. I'll find a way. Find a way? It's like, did they flash back to her being a teenager? Great. Did we we learned about this in, in high school as teenagers? Boom. There we go. Um, I mean, you could do that. You could talk about if it would be able to function well in a social studies classroom. Hmm. That thought. Anyway, um, so Jimmy's, like, super proud about this, and he's just like, oh, yeah, like, Hazel, I'm sure you got stories like this, too. <laughs> and Hazel's like, yeah, yeah. And she, like, gets up and leaves. Yeah. But I do like this. And I think in the right writer's hands, I think the writer... I think in order for this to truly work, I think you would have needed a black writer to do it. Yes. But I really like this this um, conflict of sorts that happens where Jimmy kind of assumes that other that like other black people have a similar family history to his, where it is a bit fractured because of slavery. Um, so a lot of the history that he has access to is within the context of like people being in people in his family that were enslaved and were freed and now are you know that's kind of where his cultural connection is meanwhile hazel being an immigrant has a very different history and a very different relationship with blackness because of it and i think that in the right hands that could have been an excellent conversation piece that could have followed up toward the end of the episode maybe where hazel goes look like this is my this is my culture and this is how like you know i still love it it's different from yours but i still love it and you know i love being black and all that type of stuff it could have been something really positive but once again i don't think these writers could have done it yeah um and jimmy also kind of does the exact opposite of what happens with me and other white dudes Mm -hmm. Uh, other white dudes that aren't my friends um, which is, like, Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, like, we probably come from a similar background, while white dudes will come up to me and essentially, like, hey, I'm just gonna field some, like, racist or anti-Semitic or homophobic shit and Jesus. just see where it lands with you, and I'm just like, nah. That's awful. Is that really a thing that white men do to other white men? If, the, if you're dealing with shitty dudes, yeah. <sighs> it's, um, it's Schrodinger's asshole. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Like, it's just, like, they're gonna push, and if, like, you're into it, they'll keep going, or if you're not, like, I was only joking. Oh, okay. So. Yikes. Um, the next scene is heated topic, um, and this one's kind of an extension of that scene where all the kids have different viewpoints, and they're kind of bouncing from place to place. Um... In this one, Jimmy talks about, like, how it doesn't really matter. Um, and Spinner talks about, like, the bomb comment, that really Islamophobic bomb comment that he makes. Um, and then Hazel calls him out on it. And Spinner then is like, well, I'm not a racist. Like, look, I got, like, a Chinese sister. And it's just like, Jesus fuck, but not surprising. I'm surprised he did. <laughs> okay, I would have really loved this scene a bit Oh, I would have enjoyed it if he's just like, I got a, I got a Chinese sister and a black friend. Like, they just pan over to Jimmy, just scowling at him. Right, Jimmy's just like, we, we are not friends, Spin. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would have been satisfying. Um, Spinner's reaction is very of the time because he's like, don't go all jihad on me. And it's like, it sucks. I'm, I really don't want to hear Spinner say this. It is very of the time, unfortunately. It is very accurate to that time period. Yeah, like, that really embodied what... It was like, if you need a horrible time capsule of what it was like, 
and what opinions people held during the time period, that is the moment. It was awful. Yeah, and Snake, rightfully so, yells at Spinner for it. Yeah. And... Snake being a teacher for... For once! For once. For once! Um, but yeah, so that is, like, the first half of season two. Yeah. We're gonna split these up into two things. Yeah, so, like I said, like, not all of these are necessary. I think some of them had promise. I think that they still would have needed to be refined before I could say, yes, let's just keep it in the episode. Um, but I do think there was potential in, in quite a bit of this. And it, it, I'm very curious how these meetings went, because I think that looking at these deleted scenes... It seems like at least somebody in the writer's room had a similar mindset that we did yeah. in a lot of these episodes. I think Drive, it really became obvious. Don't Believe the Hype, it kind of was, it, it became more apparent. A couple other episodes where you could almost sense that there was a potential path these episodes would have taken that actually would have been very similar to the ones that we speculated about. Yeah. Um, but not all of them were necessary, but some of them are definitely worth checking out. Um, but yeah, so... Um, Frank, I don't know if you have any other general thoughts. Not really. Well, um, we've made it through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so next week we're going to be doing another mini episode in which we look at the second half of the season two deleted scenes. Um, after that, we're going to be looking at season two auditions, and then we're going to jump back into it, giving you season four. Um, so we are going to start recording for season four. Again, if you are interested in potentially joining in on the action, please do not hesitate to email us at ihopod at gmail.com. Um, really easy to get involved. Just say, hey, I'm interested in doing this episode. We may ask you a couple questions, but we would love to have you. Also, if you have any text about these episodes, these characters, how it impacted you, we are always looking for that. Please do not hesitate to email us as well with that type of information. We would love to share it on the show. Um, also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out. I am getting back into the swing of things. I will be able to answer in a fairly timely fashion. Um, so do not worry about it potentially going unanswered. Also, very happy to announce that we have somebody who is going to help us transcribe some of our episodes. We have quite a bit of a lot of a backlog, though, to get that to happen. So if you are interested in helping, still, please do not hesitate to email. Um, cannot wait to be working with everybody involved to start making the show even more accessible. Um, other than that, you can get, keep in touch with us on social media. You can join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, where we are always keeping you updated about episodes as well as opening up some discussion. We really appreciate anybody who has posted, asking questions, or providing some context and providing some of those damn deleted scenes that we definitely could have used in the initial recordings. Um, also, we have our Twitter at IHopePod, where you can also keep in touch with us, ask questions, etc., etc. Um, we also have a couple things opened up for challenges or for helping support us. You can always donate money to our coffee account. Any money that we make will be going toward compensating our guests, our transcribe, uh, people are helping transcribe the episodes, as well as tech upgrades. We also have a um, review challenge out right now. Once we hit 20 reviews and ratings, we are going to go back into Degrassi archives and give you bonus episodes all about Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. So if you're interested in making that happen, please do not hesitate to write a review. Thank you, everybody, who has taken the time to rate and review. We really appreciate it. If you want to talk to me individually, you can reach out to me on Twitter at DMIsUnbreakable. Um, I don't have a Twitter, uh, but I do have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. 
It's where my sister and I talk about other team media that's not Degrassi. Uh, the week this comes out, we will be doing the first four episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Ew. Um, and, well, this actually, this week also, it's my friend Kia on instead of uh, Susie, because Susie had another place to be. Um, yeah. Awesome. And with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. And the heroes you met were just fiction. Yeah, with high expectations. And your friends grew up faster than you got successful. I told you to keep it up. Good come to those who work. And the stories they told you were true, babe. Your mom really went crazy. But that doesn't have to be you. No. I'm just